Hi, welcome to Connecting the Dots, the podcast where we share our stories from the battlefield of consulting. I'm your host, Johnny Hill. I'm Mike Downey. Hi, I'm Katie Hart. Hey, I'm Kareem Jamal. Today, we're talking all about how to ask good questions. Let's get started. So I think a good place to start would be just talking about what do we mean by a good question? Like usually, as long as you're asking a question, that's a good thing. And I think we would all agree with that. But there are times where maybe the the way you're asking the question is unclear or unhelpful or could cause some confusion. So let's spend some time talking about what makes for a good question. I think a good question helps move the process along. So especially in the consulting world, we're typically working with uh, folks outside of our organization and that organization may have different norms, nomenclatures, experiences. And so part of any project is getting a common perspective and understanding not only what needs to be done, but uh, some of the the communication elements that are going to allow each of the parties to uh, understand each other and, and actually move the process along. So asking good questions helps not only define what needs to happen, but also helps establish that, that common understanding. And then uh, moves from those high-level uh, details down to the uh, the nitty-gritty details that are needed for any project. Well, and with good questions, you're also showing to the other party or that you're working with that you are trying to get to not just that shared understanding, but a common goal. Really, you know, if you're driving a project or trying to clarify an idea, you're you're trying to get to that goal at the end of the day. Good question also helps uh, improving your understanding, and I would say direct questions are good, but sometimes they don't have to be direct, right? So you're on a road, you need to get from A to B, right? So you need to know what that road looks like. But oftentimes for the work we do, having the context is also important. So asking questions that help you explore what the what the sides of the road look like, right? Are there cactuses? Are there trees? Are there flowers? Help build that full picture, you know, as you get from point A to B. Uh, so you might zig and zag here. But as long as you're asking questions in uh, effort of that and getting to the destination uh, and improving your and others' understanding, it's usually not a stupid question. I think one aspect of a good question, Kareem, is, is some homework. Like you said, you have to understand where uh, some of those, those potential pitfalls are or what the, the context is you're trying to communicate about. And so there's a lot, oftentimes a lot of homework or a lot of prep work necessary for asking a good question. You want to understand where common ground elements already exist within the relationship and then ask questions that are going to help enhance that understanding. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of when we were discussing uh, how to say no, like how to tell someone no. And there's a similar adage in improv where your response, even if it's like, no, we should do that, really should have a follow-up to it. So it's like, instead of saying no, you can say, okay, well, no, but what about this? Or in the improv case, it's always saying yes and, and then adding to it. I feel like it's similar in asking good questions, like not just leaving, you know, very quick, blunt, like hard to answer questions, but like following it up, giving an opportunity to expand the conversation through that question, rather than it being either way too open-ended and vague to really be any help or being so focused in on one specific thing that you're shutting down certain responses without even realizing it. And, and the, the questions may be different based on where you are in the cycle, right? So mm-hmm. early on when you're doing discovery, 
vague questions might be okay because you're trying to understand what the, the process is of the client, the customer, uh, and you're just trying to map it all out. Whereas closer to the end of a project, if you're asking questions like, when is this due? Uh, a vague answer is not sufficient. At least it shouldn't be sufficient because you really need an answer, right? Is this in scope or out of scope? You know, is this due by Monday or Friday? Things like mm -hmm. that. So it, it also will vary depending on where in the life cycle you are. As you get closer to the end, your questions do become a little more direct because there's less room to explore at that point. Yeah, I think whether the question is direct or indirect, focused is a good qualifier for the kind of question you're asking. Is it, is it clear the direction that this question is going or is it so open-ended that it's like more of a comment than a question? Right. And some of that also relates to the way the question is asked and what medium. So like whether it's in person or maybe via email, you know, understanding the, the communication preferences of the people that you're working with to be able to, you know, frame those questions open-ended, directed maybe a follow-up in the right format to have either the openness of discussion or maybe or maybe just a quick back and forth to get something still simple answered. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that. So when we're talking about asking good questions, there's a lot of factors that go into it besides just the question, like how are you asking it? Who are you asking? What are you asking for specifically? Like, are you wanting feedback or a favor or a clarification? Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about like the, the elements surrounding the question that can really affect how it's perceived. And, you know, sometimes it's not the question itself that's good or bad, it's how it's presented. I think clearly defining the, the context or the scope of the question is often important uh, because in many situations or projects or meetings, you may be talking about a variety of, of different topics. And oftentimes you don't want to try to tackle uh, aspects of all of those topics at one time. And so being very clear of you know, scoping, I'm, I'm talking about topic A right now, I want to address the question in, in, in that scope. Uh, we may move on to you know topics B or C later on, but just having that scope clearly defined and communicated oftentimes helps get good answers back from, from questions and makes it, therefore, I think a good, good question. Your tone as well, right? So if you have a genuine inquisitive tone, that will make a difference too. Like if you are asking questions and your tone is, oh, okay, oh, tell me more about that workflow versus, <laughs> oh, interesting, tell me more about that workflow, right? In the latter, they will be more likely uh, to share more information with you because they can see you're interested and wanting to uh, know more about it versus just asking the question and wanting to move on to the next thing. Something else you brought up, Johnny, was, was who the, the question is directed to. Um, and that also is, I think, very important to be specific about. But there are times that it may be effective to get answers from multiple participants in the conversation. And, you know, sometimes the person asking the questions to be very specific. Hey, I want to get person A's opinion. Then I want, I want to also hear person A, you know, B, C, D. And just being open to hearing different perspectives can also be very helpful sometimes. Specifically asking an individual oftentimes gives them the the freedom or the impetus to to speak up and and make sure that they they have their their opportunity to have their voice heard but also make sure you're you're getting their perspective yeah it, it kind of makes me think of like a similar to smart goals like is it measurable is it specific is it actionable mm -hmm. having like clearly defined hey here's here's what i'm asking for here's what i need an answer by because there are often times where you the person you're talking to may need to say oh let me get back to you on that uh or you know maybe they're a uh, good follow-up question is, okay, when do you need an answer by? 
instead of just saying like, oh, I need to provide an answer right now because this seems important. You know, oftentimes things can wait a little bit of time so you can gather your, your thoughts uh, and make sure you actually are providing a good answer to that good question. Yeah, building up on what Mike and you said, it's often a good idea to repeat the same question a couple of times and let you know other people answer it too. Because what you'll find is when you get multiple people in a room and you ask the question, they're all going to have different answers. And so hearing what each say and then sort of consolidating that and then repeating it back to them and saying, okay, here's what I understand. Uh, is this correct, right? Another type of question, right? Just a validation question with everyone in the room and then making sure with each of them that they are in agreement. Because if you're building for one person and the other person is not happy or understood something else, then you're already starting uh, in sort of going towards some trouble. You're basically user testing at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the whole idea behind user testing is your different people have different perspectives and asking several different people the same question will get you some clarity around what is making sense and what's clear to everyone and what isn't. So yeah, that's a great point. Going back to some of that, you know, setting the context as well, having different materials like, you know, maybe wireframes or a you know, technical design document, something that you can not only bring to the table to discuss with them, but also work through with them, collaborate them in the moment to make sure you do have that shared understanding on not just what the question is, but really the full understanding on the on the context of the question as well. We've talked a little bit about some of like how to ask questions, but let's talk a little bit about the result of asking a good question. Like what can that help drive forward in a project or in just a, any interaction with someone you're working with? Kind of the end result of asking good questions and having that high quality communication. I think one of the most common results of a good question is new information is shared. You know, you're, you're typically asking a question because you you don't know something. Now you may have a notion of it, but if that question allows for new information to be shared, either between you know in our situation the the client and and us as consultants, or even amongst the the group of um, team members within that client organization then that oftentimes is a, is a very good question because that then gives you something to work with, something to, to build on. Yeah, I think that a similar way you could talk about that is like a good question isn't only self-seeking. It's for the benefit of the entire group or the entire team that's trying to find an answer. Thinking of it in that perspective, just like, okay, how can how can I frame my question in a way that gets the most helpful information for the most people the most clearly? Uh, and granted, there are going to be times where that's, you know, one or more aspects of that is more difficult or not possible. Um, but I think taking it from that perspective and recognizing like this isn't just like strictly for me to get answers, like I'm trying to benefit the entire group uh, in the way that I approach this, I think can be a helpful way to think about it as well. Yeah, it's it's part knowledge sharing for the group, as you said, and uh, a good question sometimes also uh, opens the answerer's eyes. Um, because they start talking and they're like, oh, you know what? I totally forgot about this. Or I didn't even realize we we're doing that. Uh, those types of things, right? And that's also very important contextual information uh, that you get out of this. It's good, good questions keep the conversation going and expanding, right? And uh, sometimes they're going in one direction. Sometimes, especially if you're with me, they sort of go on some sort of tangent and who knows what we're talking about <laughs> by the end of it, right? But e even in that sort of, uh, you know, side route, we often end up finding interesting information about uh, the space, the flow that may may or may not be directly applicable uh, at, the, at this very moment, right, for the project. 
but it's still good information to have to put the larger picture together. Like, mm-hmm. like going back to the analogy of the road, like, hey, in talking, we discovered there's a trail that goes out from this side. It's a bike trail, so we're not going to use it right now. But it's good to know for future, you know, planning and design and work that there's a trail here. So maybe we can do something with that. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for also the value of putting someone in a position where they're getting to explain something and that crystallizing it for them. I think, you know, there's there's that notion that uh, you you learn so much more about something when you have to teach it to someone else or explain it to someone else. And at least for me, I know I I tend to think out loud a lot. So having the opportunity for someone to ask me a question even if it's something I'm very familiar with crystallizes that even more. Cause I'm thinking, how can I explain this in a way that makes sense to them? And then through doing that, it makes more sense to me too. So it, it kind of gets back to that idea that asking good questions benefits the team as a whole, because everyone gets more clarity out of it. Even the person who's just answering the question, like it, it can really help, at least in my experience for me to have that you know, confidence and more awareness of like, Oh yeah, that is a really good way to explain that. That makes a lot more sense to me now that I think about it. And if they can't explain it, that's also eye-opening, right? Because if mm-hmm. you if you can't explain something to someone else, then maybe you don't understand it too well yourself. And so that would be a good exercise for that person to go have to really understand it so that they can then convey it to the group. I think one of the interesting aspects to think about is that uh, questions usually aren't more isolated. You know, they're, they're, they're part of an overall process. You, you're not typically going to just ask one question and then that's that's all that's part of the conversation, you know. Uh, I think you made a good point a moment ago, Kareem, that, you know, you want to you be conversational about asking questions and how you respond to the, the results um, or the answers to those questions. And I think we need to realize that sometimes we're going to get answers that are, are somewhat expected. And sometimes we're going to get very unexpected answers and being able to uh, adapt to that and, um, and continue to work forward and make progress. Uh, I think that's where you know, that road analogy also fits very well. You, you, you when you're on a road, you, you typically have a, a destination in mind, um, but you got to got to recognize that sometimes your answers, that the answers, the questions you receive may may divert you a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, having having at least a, a destination in mind helps you kind of navigate that. But I think it is very important to be a, adaptable um, as, as you go to incorporate new information that you learn. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, we, we've spent a good amount of time thinking through specifics around this, but like, I don't know if we've had any examples exactly of like a good question versus a bad question, or even how to take a, a bad question or a, a poorly framed question. Let's put it that way. Cause there, you know, it, I don't want to be negative about the types of questions we're asking, but like uh, examples of ways you could take a question that maybe is poorly framed or not directed quite the right way and turning that into a good question. Well, I, I think no matter how hard we try, there are going to be instances where we just ask a bad question. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, <laughs> I think it's important just to recognize that and then maybe even admit it and then try to address it. Um, uh, I know for me, oftentimes when I ask a bad question, it's it's because I did not set a proper context. And usually that means I've rambled on too long when I'm trying to set up the question and, and provided maybe too much information that creates a little bit of uncertainty as to what I'm, I'm truly asking. So that, that's my typical problem when I when I recognize I've asked a bad question is just uh, trying to cover too much before I get to the specific question. So I think when I, when I recognize that that's happened, I typically will go back, just acknowledge that hey, that was a bad question, reduce that scope or that context that I'm trying to address, and then rephrase my question to be a little more direct. That, that, that's my typical problem, but maybe you all have had different experience. 
no i i agree and i think touching back on that what makes a good question i think i think those types of questions are okay right you might end up saying a lot of words and it's not mm -hmm. clear uh and just realizing that and at the end of it saying okay let me ask the question again or let me ask it differently or let me give you the tldr of what i was trying to say mm -hmm. right and then they have they have the context and now they have the direct question at hand too that they can uh, answer better Going back to what Kareem said earlier, the, the tone and delivery really play a huge impact in what makes a good or a bad question. Asking a question in a very negative way or just trying to get, trying to get, get directly to the answer may not show the openness of, of the asker that you really want to know about the question, know all about that context or that topic. Yeah, I think another example is like, I find myself doing this far too often where I know what I want the answer to the question to be. Mm -hmm. So I kind of frame it in a way that maybe manipulates the uh, the person a little bit into wanting to tell me what I want to hear and recognize like, oh, yeah, that's like totally poisoning the well right there. Like I need to be willing to say, all right, I know what I ideally would like the answer to be, but I'm going to hold that back. Maybe if I ask the person and I just get a blank stare, then I can clarify a little bit. But just recognizing like I think we all have tendencies. And generally, when you go into a conversation like this, you have some idea of, you know, I, I think I would like this to be the answer I would like like it to be framed in this way, but being able to hold that back long enough to actually give the person you're talking to the freedom to share openly what they think is best and being willing to accept that if it's not what you wanted to hear. And you can always follow up with asking clarifying questions and that's totally fine and, and great. But uh, I think it takes you know some self-control there to recognize like, okay, I need to, I need to hold my opinions back and give this person an opportunity to share without me biasing them. Now that makes a lot of sense. I think yeah, that openness to hear whatever the real answer is, even if it's different than what we expected, is, is is very important. I think there is a balance though, because you don't also want to get in that situation where you have a, a different opinion and you ask the question, and then as soon as you hear the answer, you come back and say, "Well, no, no, I disagree." You know, you you don't want to sort of <laughs> let, you know have a have a, that other shoe drop after the question is asked. So there is a balance sometimes where it's important to state your opinion just so there's not a surprise there, but then make some sort of statement like. Okay, that's what, that's what my thought is, but I'm very open to hearing different perspectives on that. So please, please let me know what your thoughts are. I think you want to lean more towards that openness and, and, and being accepting. But if if you know there's a potential for different opinions, I, I, I think it's important to be as upfront as you can about where you're coming from. And definitely keeping that composure and enthusiasm throughout, especially when you don't hear the answer you wanted to hear, right? And still continuing that line of questioning the same way you had been. And as Mike said before, right, adapting, right, very quickly adapting to uh, the new information you're getting. So I think one other element that's kind of interesting along the lines of tone and delivery that we didn't talk about is like, if you're having this conversation in person, body language is just as important as tone, if not more important. Like if, you, if you're coming across very closed off or very antagonistic, even un, unintentionally, uh, that can really affect the way that the person receives the question and responds to the question if they feel intimidated or feel like they are not able to be open about maybe an answer that they know you might not want to hear, especially if you're in a position of authority over that person. So like body language, I think is, is just a big part of that. It may seem like it has nothing to do with the question, but can, it can affect the answer you get. Any other examples of uh, having, you know, maybe a, a not great way to approach a question and how you could redeem that into a good question? I mean, avoid just simple answers, right? So, um, is your workflow difficult? That's a yes, no. Like, how difficult is your work? Very, kind of, some, 
right? So your question should really be posed around, tell me how difficult your work is and what makes it difficult, right? Again, coming back to the open-ended questions more so than uh, specific one-word answers, because the goal is to keep the conversation going. Uh, you want to get as much information, uh, direct and indirect, as you can out of, out of this uh, meeting. Yeah, and it can be on a, a timeline of broad to specific. Like you may start the conversation very open-ended, like, hey, tell me about what you do on an average day. Okay, now tell me about the most difficult things you do on that. Oh, you mentioned this This sounded particularly difficult by the tone in your voice or whatever. Let's, let's talk more about that specific task. So you can start very, very broad and open-ended, but I think another important element of recognizing, you know, good questions are often more than one question. The, the way you approach it matters, but also recognizing there are follow-up questions that you can ask. There are follow-up conversations that can be had. I think probably the most important part of asking a good question is listening. You know, like if, if you're asking a good question and they give you a great response and you didn't hear it, it's like you didn't even ask the question for the most part, except for, you know, maybe you helped them clarify it a little in their mind. But uh, recognizing it takes a lot of being willing to listen, being willing to, to hear things maybe you didn't want to hear uh, and then following up on that. I think that's a great point, Johnny, about listening. I think that's one of the keys to not only keeping the conversation flowing properly, but also asking good follow-up questions. Because if you're busy, you know, formulating your own answer to the question or just picking out the details that you think are important and not listening to what the other person is uh, indicating is important or um, high priority to them, then you're not going to be able to ask a good follow-up question. So I think you know, as we said, with body language and tone, I think demonstrating some of those effective listening skills uh, as we, we ask follow-up questions and keep the conversation going are, are very important. You know, repeating back elements of, of the answer, uh, tying in uh, follow-up questions directly to something that, that was given in the answer. And some of those techniques, I think, are, are very important to be mindful of. Oftentimes, those not-so-great questions come when you're not active listening, right? As, as we mentioned, that you need to be actively listening. And too often, we're just listening sort of uh, in order to ask our next question or make a comment, right? Like as soon as someone says something, we've already started formulating a question in our head and it doesn't matter what they're saying after that because we're off in our minds just building out questions and stuff. And then we ask it, even though they may have just answered it, but we never listened to that, right? So really active listening and then quickly adapting and uh, then asking, not just for the sake of talking. And I guess back to one of the benefits of, of good questions is you know you're you're building some trust and and not only shared understanding but but trust in the relationship and the communication. If you start asking repetitive questions and indicating you're not listening, that's going to do the opposite. It's going to kind of break that trust in the communication. Yeah, I think there's also an element of recognizing that like a good question asked at the wrong time isn't a good question anymore. Like if the person you're talking to is not in a place where they can hear you out. Like maybe there, there's a huge deadline coming up and you're asking a question that's completely unrelated. Just recognizing like, this is a good question, but for later. Like this is a good question for when I can have this person's full attention and it's not going to add more stress to their plate because they're focusing on other stuff. Or like even recognizing, oh, I'm asking a question that's way too far ahead even for me to be worrying about right now. We'd all be better served if I held on to this until maybe a little bit later because this, this isn't important right now. And that, of course, that takes some self-awareness, but... I think it's worth recognizing just, you know, good questions also need to take into consideration the context and the timing and kind of when you need an answer. by. Sometimes you're just excited to get an answer and that can blind you to that, but uh, it, it's important to recognize. 
I think that is a good point, Johnny. Uh, timing can, can play a big role in what type of response and conversation you get. So maybe it's at the end of the project and there's too much going on and you're not going to get great answers at that point because there's you know too much, uh, too much activity and chaos. Or maybe you're in the middle of the project and you think it's okay, but what you don't realize is the customer has a, a, a stressful stakeholder meeting right after your call, right? And so they may be distracted by that. And uh, the key is really not to get discouraged. Uh, if you don't get a full answer, don't get to ask your questions. Just write them down and then keep them and ask them again later, right? Uh, don't just throw them away. Repeat them again when the time is better. Right. And that's a good point, I think, Kareem, about writing them down so you lose track of them. And sometimes on projects, especially longer term projects, it's good to have an agreed upon mechanism with all parties of, of how you're going to track those future questions. Maybe it's a, a shared document or uh, just a log someplace, but uh, you know, letting everyone know that they're free to add to it, but also uh, recognize that we're not going to lose track of these. We are going to come back and evaluate when the, when the quote unquote right time is to ask them, but we want to make sure we don't lose track of them. Yeah, that's a great point. The worst questions are the ones you don't ask. I do think just like there's a, there could be a bad time to ask the question because it's like way too early. It's also worth recognizing like, oh man, I should have asked this question a long time ago. I shouldn't wait any longer because we're already, you know, maybe this is a question you should have asked at the very beginning of the project and you're halfway through it and you're realizing, oh no, we don't have a good answer to this. This could make things, you know, the longer we wait, the worse it's going to get. So recognizing, you know, once again, kind of timing and is it urgent and owning up like, hey, I'm sorry, I should have asked this a while ago. And I just realized like, we don't have an answer to it. You know, sometimes that can be a very humbling experience, but like, that's still a better question than, not asking it at all because it'd be embarrassing to admit that you made a mistake. And I'd add that sometimes, even though you have received a good answer, you should, as the project moves along, ask it again, right? Especially if it's an anchor question, because who knows what things have shifted in priorities in the business on the, you know, the customer's end. There might be slight uh, differences in the answer at this point that you might be able to adapt to. Maybe you can't, maybe you can, but it's worth, validating uh you know throughout the cycle some of the best questions i've been asked are the obvious ones like the things that you would think everyone already knew but then you realize oh wait there are people on this project who don't know the answer to that and maybe even the person who's asking you knows it and you know it but there are other people in the room who, who need to be clued in um or even just questions that may seem obvious but it needs to be stressed how important that the answer is so like hey everyone let's just remember we only have a month to finish this feature instead of like everyone assuming that, oh, well, if we need to, we can push it out or that kind of a thing. So like, no, we need, let's all remember, like, this is important for this reason, even though that may be obvious, it's easy to lose focus of it in the heat of everything. Yeah. As you said, the obvious ones are sometimes the hardest, right? Like, tell me a little bit about yourself, right? That interview question or something, right? <laughs> and that's when you see that the little buffer icon, the loading icon appears on my <laughs> face. As I'm trying to, you know, ask myself, who am I, right? What do I do? Uh, and, you know, pose the answer correctly because, I mean, just sitting back on any given day, you'll have a different answer to that, right? Based on what you're focused on and where you are, what mood you're in. Uh, there's so many ways to interpret that question. And some of those are the hardest, but also the most uh, meaningful too. I think that that's actually a really good point that we haven't talked about. There just needs to be a general recognition that everyone is probably going to think about and process questions differently. Some people like myself will just run their mouth until something smart comes out and they're like, oh, I guess that's my answer, which isn't a great strategy. I don't recommend it. <laughs> but some people really do just like, hey, I don't know. I, give me some time. I need to think about it. 
and me being like an external processor can't get my head around that but uh, yeah they think there's a certain element of just recognizing you need to be flexible with how people process questions and recognize that some people are going to have an answer right away some people in order for them to give you a good response just need some time to think about it and that that's fine that's a good thing i think that's a great point about recognizing just personal preferences or personal approach to how we, we answer questions. And I know some, I've worked with some teams where it's really helpful to provide what questions I can ahead of time before discussion, mm-hmm. uh, just to give them an opportunity to do a little bit of, um, uh, of prep work or research before we get to that. Now, oftentimes during the discussion, we'll start with those prepared answers and we'll, we'll kind of either delve into additional topics or some of those follow-up questions that we've already talked about. So just understanding what works best for the the group you're communicating with sometimes like you said most of the folks could be on the team could be external thinkers and it's really better to get them in a room and just let them talk and hear each other's thoughts whereas other other times like i said it's better to to give some of the questions ahead of time thanks for connecting with us today if you have a complex software problem that needs solving thoughts on what we discussed today or ideas on what topics we should tackle next feel free to reach out to us at podcast at experiowink.com or on Twitter at Expiro Inc. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for joining us and we look forward to connecting with you next time.